It's Boba Fett's Celebrity Back to Tank Party. And now, here he is, the godfather of Mos Espa and Camino Clone Man number one, Boba Fett. He's priceless. He's immeasurable. He is the exact person for that role. You know who I am? I am Boba Fett. A lot of feelings, mate. Okay, we'd like to introduce Boba Fett. And here he is. One helmeted bounty hunter that looked unbelievably cool has spawned an entire, you know, mythology within this bigger mythology, an entire race of people, Fandalorians, you know, it's amazing. Robofet has a see-through helmet with clay rangefinder to locate your objective. You can move his legs, knees, arms, even wrists and elbows. His backpack unit is removable. Here we go. Here it is. Boba Fett. This is Jason and this is Gabe. We are looking back on the book of the Boba Fett. Maybe some of you have heard of it out there. I don't know. It's kind of obscure. It's kind of a, kind of a, a weird, rare thing that nobody ever talks about. Weirdly, yeah. I think it, it was like only aired at like four or five in the morning on some channel. Just a handful of people cared. It was you know, it's a sad thing that nobody talked about it. You'd think. That's something like the book of the Boba Fett that people would talk about it, but no, nobody likes Star Wars. No, passions are not very high. Opinions are not raging at all anymore. But yeah, it's been a few weeks, and we're happy to finally take a take a reread of the book, open it back up, flip through the pages again. It's a good book. <laughs> My pages are worn out. I've read the book of the Boba Fett so much. I really hope that there were some kids who tried to do book reports on Book of Boba Fett episodes. In a way, that's what we're doing here. This is the <laughs> this is the book report. We read the book. We're talking about the highlights. We're talking about the themes. Essentially, isn't that a book report? I think, yeah, I guess so. It's actually a real book report. We're not just proving to the teacher that we actually read it. We're actually understood it we absorbed it we're not doing the cliff notes for the book of boba fett no 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 we watched all these episodes 45 times for everybody (laughs) and like you heard in the intro there it is the the boba fett celebrity back to tank party because really in the end it's boba and friends is what the book of boba fett was and maybe that's a thing we can start out with it's Before we get into talking about each and every episode again, it's the ongoing thing of was the title, The Book of Boba Fett, accurate? Could it have been something like Boba and Friends or something? I still like the title. There's The Book of the Mandalorian, and this is like a sub-book chapter 
in this like Mandalorian Bible about the story of Din Djarin. So it works. Yeah. No, I never had an issue with it. It's like thinking back though, the only thing I could think of with the book of Boba Fett and with the, the fair argument of the with two episodes that didn't have very much to do with Boba Fett that were, you know, it's so back and forth because those episodes were so great, like so great. But I get people kind of being like, there's no Boba Fett. And this show is called The Book of Boba Fett. I wonder, though, if the trailers, how with leading up to the show, how it was like, oh, we can only show you footage from the first 10 minutes of the first episode <laughs> because the rest of it's too top secret. And that wasn't 100 percent true. Like we were getting stuff from the fourth episode in the trailers but even if we would have gotten, let's say, like they did with the Bad Batch, like a mid-season trailer to kind of let people know, like, hey, coming up in the next couple of weeks, we're going to have some Mando action. We're going to have some Grogu action, maybe even tease Luke or something to kind of give people like, oh, OK, just a heads up of what was coming. Because I think that's part of the thing right now that everything is so protected and secretive. And while that's awesome, I love the feeling of not knowing what's coming week to week. I feel like sometimes if maybe we should get a little bit of a heads up of what's coming. Yeah, all of that is kind of a a, a, a strange balance because now that the season's over and going back and watching, rewatching episodes, as much as I enjoyed them the first time, I'm enjoying them even more now that I kind of know what to expect for the whole season. So there definitely is something to that. But I also almost wonder because this isn't a theatrical movie that, you know, is in theaters for a little while and then it's gone. And then you wait, you know, for the home video release or whatever, but that it's a TV series that kind of lives forever on Disney Plus. Like maybe they don't care if it's confusing or strange the first time, because like anything Star Wars at this point, it's just another thing in the library of of fun Star Wars stuff to watch. And now everybody knows that there's two episodes about Mandalorian and, and that it ties into the Mandalorian story as much as it does Boba Fett. So in the moment of watching it week to week, maybe it was weird, but now in hindsight, it just seems like what's the big deal kind of to me <laughs> at like five in the morning on a Wednesday when you're delirious from watching something, you had no idea what to expect. Is a very different mindset than, yeah, a couple weeks out. Yeah, it is a totally different experience when you go in and be like, okay, yeah, now here comes the, the Luke and Grogu episode. And maybe that's that thing, too, of every Wednesday morning turning on the TV and being like, I have no idea. No idea what's coming. Yeah, it's such a a balance because that's great and it drives people insane building up to it and... When it does get weird, which I'm happy Star Wars still does get really weird, it throws everybody off. <laughs> well, and we've, you know, keep saying this too, it's like a book of Boba Fett from episode to episode is really kind of all over the place. And I don't think that's a bad thing, but it is, I get the confusion where you watch the first episode and you're like, okay, is this what Book of Boba Fett is? And then you watch the second episode and you're like, oh, is this what Book of Boba Fett is? And then you watch the third episode and you're like, oh, is this what Book of Boba Fett is? Like week to week, you know, it's a it was a roller coaster ride. But I think, you know, looking back at it as a whole, I think, I don't know, I really enjoy the the variety. And it's, you know, it is one story more or less, but the way the story is told, you know, some episodes are really serious. Some episodes are really silly. I don't know. I think as a whole, it works really well. I think I've watched, I've rewatched Book of Boba Fett already more than I have season one or two of Mandalorian. I don't know what that says about me, but I guess it says I really enjoyed the season. Well, yeah. And I think part of that goes to with like what we thought the show was going to be going into it with the trailers that were like, oh, this is going to be Boba Fett, the crime lord. And what's that going to be like? And right away, in the first episode, and especially the second episode, we got so involved in the Tuscan backstory. 
And we knew nothing of the Tuscans beforehand that that was going to be a thing. There was just that one shot in the one trailer of the the Tuscans coming up over a hill. And we were like, oh, there's going to be Tuscans in it. Cool. Not having any idea how important and how cool they would be. Yeah, because, I mean, after that one shot, it was like, oh, maybe maybe the Tuscans pull them out of the Sarlacc pit. That'll be interesting. And it was so much more than that. It's It's such a tricky thing because I think it boils down to just a big thing that's still going on with like expectations versus what is actually happening, what people think we're getting versus what happens. And what happens is just some ridiculous, silly, fun, wacky Star Wars stuff, which a show all about Boba Fett, that's exactly what it should be. It's like if there's too many, quote, cameos, then people are mad. If there aren't any cameos, then people are like, it's, you know, it's a big universe. Why are you using it? And then, you know, if there are the cameos, people are like, it's a big universe. Why do you have to make the universe so small? And it's just, you know, it's it's like that with everything that there's just people that are just never going to be happy. But it's like if you enjoyed the book of Boba Fett, then enjoy it. You know, don't let anyone tell you that, you know, you shouldn't enjoy it for whatever reason, because the show is just it's a lot of fun. And I think a lot of people responded to that fact that it is just a lot of fun. Well, and yeah, and if there's any maybe real negative to being so secretive is, you know, for a lot of people, the surprise is very exciting. But on the flip side, especially with Star Wars fans who are known to obsess over things which we know a lot about. Guilty. (laughs) Guilty. 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 Not knowing anything just lets your mind go crazy. And sometimes you can deal with that. And sometimes, you know, it can make it, it can take you a while to appreciate something for what it is and not expect it to be what your, your mind wanted it to be. I mean, look at the lesson of the prequels. The summer of 1999, that was a new concept for people. And it's taken for some decades to kind of get around to that idea of what people thought this new Star Wars was going to be versus what it was and what it was trying to be. And it makes sense that Book of Boba Fett was very much a peanut butter and jelly sandwich of Return of the Jedi and Attack of the Clones, really. Yeah, even more so than, you know, Mandalorian season one and two, where it's kind of a good mix of of classic Star Wars and, and some sequel trilogy style and some prequel stuff mixed in. But yeah, Book of Boba really seemed to lean even more heavy into, I feel like, prequel style Star Wars stories with a heavy dose of Return of the Jedi that I could see some of the criticisms of the show being very similar to criticisms of the prequels because they kind of, it really like swings for the fences where it's like, if it's going to be serious, it tries to be really serious. And if it's going to be silly, it didn't pull any punches on, on going all in on, on silliness. And the fact that it did jump back and forth between those things so quickly, much like, Attack of the Clones, maybe. It totally makes sense where that's not everybody's cup of tea. Coming from the age when we were just elated to have Kylo Ren say, perhaps Supreme Leader should consider using a clone army, to now having flashbacks to little kid Boba on Kamino and little kid Boba on Geonosis, and the fact that Mando's new ship is a hot rotted up N1 Nabu starfighter. And for a week there, everyone was losing their damn minds about Nabu starfighters. And it was the Nabu starfighter renaissance. We, we've come a long way. And Book of Boba Fett was a champion of the prequels. And for that, and many, many other reasons, of course we love it. <laughs> yeah, Book of Boba Fett is speaking our language. <laughs> Our love language is Book of Boba Fett. But really, and I think about this all the time with Book of Boba Fett, that 
you know, all the chatter about it, all the debates, all the this and that with the show. And I think about kids watching this show and a 12-year-old kid watching Boba Fett come riding into town on a rancor. It's like the coolest thing in the world. And it's what always drives me nuts when people talking about, oh, it's just John Favreau and Dave Filoni playing with their action figures. And I'm like, well, yeah. <laughs> the animatics for Return of the Jedi, they were literally using action figures to figure out how they would do the scenes. What's wrong with that? Because it's awesome. And yeah, who cares what, what you know, what people like us think? It's the little kids that are just going to be loving this show. And in the in the end, too, the heart of the Book of Boba Fett, the themes of the show, which we're going to be getting into, it's still got an awesome, very Star Wars, very pure message to get out there. And it's pretty blatant with it, too. It's a great thing for kids to hear. It's a great thing for adults to hear. But again, 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 if you are a little kid that loves Star Wars, this show would be the coolest thing anyone has ever seen. Yeah, it really is. And that's that's what we need. do recreate things we show it the proper respect and not just the respect for making it look like the place like when we did the cantina but for the people that worked on it for the people that were a part of the legacy of lucasfilm that are the reason we have jobs living up to that expectation and living up to that creativity the recreation of a set location or characters that we've seen before it's it's what we're doing with them how we're executing them that's all part of the the magic So here we go. Let's do it. Let's go into each episode of the book of Boba Fett. Let's recap them all. Let's talk about some of the highlights, some of the themes, some of the messages, some of the stuff going on. But before we get into that too, right, there was something that you observed recently with going back to Mando season two, the Marshall and book of Boba, right? Well, I think after the finale, it kind of, dawned on me how much the Marshall really kind of is the first it's like episode zero of the book of Boba Fett even though Fennec was introduced in season one and technically Boba's boots are in there it's kind of like the story that started in the Marshall with Moss Pelgo Cobb Vanth really getting into how different each tribe can be uh, of the Tuscans and Tatooine all that really kind of started in the Marshall and it was, it's really kind of neat to see. I'm assuming how much doing that episode kind of either inspired or how much fun John Favreau had writing and directing that to where a lot of the ideas in book of Boba Fett kind of seemed to have sprung off of that episode to the point where when we get to the last episode of book of Boba Fett, it really is kind of, not just the end of the Book of Boba Fett story, but kind of the end of the the Mos Pelgo story in, that started way back in Mando season two, at the very beginning of the season, so long ago. God, yeah, that's really true when you think about it. And it's like I always almost forget, like you mentioned, like the spurs and the boots in season one of Mando. That seems like so long ago and how we were losing our minds being like, I, I think it's Boba. I think it's gotta be Boba Fett. There's the spurs and there's the weird radar sound from the special edition. And that's only in, you know, and it's like thinking of that, how Boba Fett, his presence has always kind of been, yeah. In the Mandalorian and especially the Marshall, the storyline, and then him literally showing up and turning around at the end of the, the Marshall. It's almost like season one of Mando, that episode on Tatooine was like a very rough, it's like the Dave Filoni thumbnail sketch of an idea that John Favreau expanded on in the Marshall. And then the Book of Boba was like 
the final mural painting on the side of a building of that idea that started back in Mandalorian season one. And, and it does make sense that those two characters stories are kind of intertwined as much as they are, because it's kind of in a way been that way all the way back since the beginning of the Mandalorian. That was the whole thing with the Mandalorian. When that show was coming out, remember when there was like the, it came out of nowhere and it's like, there's going to be this show called the Mandalorian. And people are like, well, why don't you just make a show about Boba Fett? <laughs> Right. Well, because we'd all been expecting the Boba Fett movie for so long that it was like they didn't announce it, but it was unofficially there was going to be a Boba Fett movie. Well, and it would, yeah, and it was always like, oh, well, is this character the Mandalorian? Is he? Does he know Boba Fett? Is he going to run into Boba Fett? And yes, and yes, and <laughs> we're living in that world now because it just makes sense. And that's the thing to, we always say with like all of this. It's like. It's not like when characters meet each other, it doesn't make any sense. It's not like Master Codebreaker suddenly shows up on the book of Boba Fett and he's like, not now, Boba, I'm on a roll, you know, or <laughs> it's relationships and connections that make sense. It's like, oh, would Luke ever meet Ahsoka? Like, what would ha what would their relationship be like? It's like, well, we're going to show it to you because it would make sense that they would know each other and that they know each other exist. Well, yeah, and season two of The Mandalorian started with Cobb Vanth and Boba Fett and ended with Mandalorian and Boba Fett working together. So why wouldn't Book of Boba Fett at some point incorporate The Mandalorian into the story? And I don't think it's ever been a secret that all the John Favreau Dave Filoni stories are kind of intended to be happening around the same time and as other shows come and go the the same characters are going to be jumping back and forth between them it's the boba fett celebrity back to tank party it's what it is they're all getting in and out of the back to tank they're dipping their toes in is it too hot what's the temperature they're in and out here they come boba and friends good guy boba fett the saga of good guy boba fett if the show was called boba and friends do you think it'd make a difference i don't know maybe <laughs> probably not all right, so let's get into it. Let's start out. The Book of Boba Fett, episode one, Stranger in a Strange Land. It's an odd one looking back, right? Am I crazy? <laughs> it is, but it's no more strange than any of the other episodes. I think it set the tone for the season very well, where it went big and bold right away with the Sarlacc and him bursting out of the sand and then the him being captured by Tuscans and being marched through the desert while the most epic music is playing. Like, and then, you know, going 10, 15 minutes with no dialogue and Tem just saying, Rodian, do you want me to cut your bonds? Rodian, do you want me to cut your bonds? It still gets me every time. I don't I don't know. And then just crazy desert nonsense and a Ray Harryhausen monster. Like it was literally giving you the template of the rest of the season, really, in that first 38 minutes or whatever it was. It was so much to take in looking back. So long ago, the end of December 2021. I mean, the fact that we saw Max Rebo playing in the Sanctuary again, Matt Berry as 8D8. Presenting Docs Drassi, leader of the Trandoshan family, protectors of the city center and its business territories. It's still one of my favorite ones. I think I, I watched that one so many times that first week i couldn't get enough and the big the big ray harryhausen sand monster and I, I think you're right i think that's the thing that looking back it was yeah like i said it was so much to take in but it really was setting the tone for everything to come and we didn't know that at the time there's going to be some flashbacks there's going to be some serious stuff with tuscans and by the end it's just a creature show boba fett fighting monsters talking to monsters some creatures are not his buddies boba buddies some creatures are boba buddies and you're gonna fall in love with tuscans yes which yeah leads us to 
chapter two, the tribes of Tatooine, which is just still, still so amazing. It really is, and it's not fair to criticize the other episodes for not being as good as this episode, just because this episode is just one of those moments where everything just falls into place and everything is perfect. Like, that's hard to do, and that's hard to do for every episode. I don't think any show does that for every episode. It's just maybe it, it hurt Book of Boba that they they hit such a high so early in the season, and, and we just expected that every episode was going to be this epic in, in all the right ways. Yeah, it's the thing that every episode is so unique and so special in its own weird way. What Steph Green did with the Tribes of Tatooine, the way it was paced, all the stuff with the Tuscans, the train chase, the reveal of the Hut twins. I mean, come on. When Robert Rodriguez was saying that this season over-delivered, he really wasn't exaggerating. Because literally, if the whole season was just this episode, the Book of Boba Fett over-delivered. It's true. It's true. <laughs> because we're we're still recovering from the Hut twins coming around the corner, being carried on like a platform by a bunch of people and somebody in the front with a drum. Yeah. And we got a, a hologram scroll that says the Hut still own Tatooine territory. A giant Wookiee bounty hunter. Everybody just losing their minds over and over and over again. And then not to mention, too, there was Tashi Station with Cammy and Fixer in that episode. Like, you almost forget about that. There was Nikto's wearing sunglasses playing some kind of space video game. And then by the end, Boba Fett snorts a lizard. There's a vision quest. And he spends 20 minutes making his own gaffy stick while the most beautiful music plays. They We get to see Tomorrow Morrison get dressed. <laughs> we should have known there was no way to top this episode. Yeah. It was just one of those moments where this, this particular script, this particular director, it was all, all the pieces were there for a legendary star Wars experience. Back in the day, just the train conductor droid would be enough food for us for an entire year. <laughs> but that was the miracle of the train conductor droid. Everything about that guy, orky-dorky, and just taken off out the window. That is, it's, it's such a small part that even talking about the tribes of Tatooine right now, we almost forgot about the train conductor droid. Because there's so much incredible things going on in that episode. I mean, it introduced like a bantha to the world, which is now just forever just part of pop culture. The warrior Tuscan will get a Black Series figure for her in 2029, probably. <laughs> I hope that Steph Green breaks out in Star Wars kind of like Deborah Chow did in season one of Mandalorian. Like, I hope eventually we hear that something Star Wars down the pipeline is coming out and Steph Green is directing it. Because going back to Tribes Tatooine now and I think forever will be a treat. Just a total Star Wars treat. Yeah, Steph Green came in out of nowhere and is now like on the top shelf of, of star Wars heroes, as far as directors who've come in and just really, yeah, basically made an all time classic. Just speaking of all time classics, let's move on to chapter three, the streets of Mos Espa. I love this episode. I get it. There's people like there's people that like Robert Rodriguez. There's people that don't. This episode's very Robert Rodriguez, but we've said it before, and I'm going to keep saying it every time I watch this episode. I like it even more than the time I watched it before. I watched it again this week. Again, it's just packed full of just ridiculous Star Warsness, and I can't get enough. I love it. It's possibly pound for pound the most ridiculous Star Wars action ever seen on screen. And I think the thing that, cause there's a lot of amazing stuff in this episode. There's 
Danny Trejo and the Rancor imprinting on Boba Fett. I mean, just I mean, even if you just say those words, a Rancor imprints on Boba Fett, like total Twilight style. But I think the thing everyone keeps coming back to with this episode is the mods, the bikes, and the chase at the end with the major domo. Gabe, what is your take on the chase through the streets of Mos Espa? I I don't know. I still think it's crazy that so many people latched on to the, the oh, it's a slow motion chase. It's 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 stupid. It's too slow because I I don't know. I never it never felt that to me and it just it felt like and it's like a 70s car chase from a from a 70s cop show it's like chips or streets of san francisco or any of those shows where it's just someone who doesn't know how to drive driving crazy through a city you know driving into what big barrels of water and knocking over boxes and a bunch of street kids on motorcycles are chasing after them like it was one of those moments where it never crossed my mind that there was anything to even complain about. And then, you know, reading people's reactions afterwards and it kind of becoming a thing where it's like somebody somewhere said it was the slowest chase ever. And then everyone kind of just decided, oh, yeah, I guess that's I guess that's why I didn't like that episode. Not thinking about maybe it was just too crazy, <laughs> especially coming after the last one, which was kind of, you know, a little more refined. Listen, we love the mods. This is a mod appreciation society here. I love the mods motorcycles. People saying that they're too shiny, too clean. I, they are shiny and clean and stuff on Tatooine is dirty. But like that, the thing that the mods, it, that they're based off of, literally the mods, like Quadrophenia mods, they were, they were living like in not great conditions and their motorcycles were always perfect or their mopeds and stuff. Because that's like their life. That's their whole lifestyle, those bikes and keeping them perfect. And it's ridiculous. And as much as Book of Boba Fett 2 is referencing things that happened before in Star Wars, whether it be, you know, the Slave One or the Sarlacc or like later in the show, Cad Bane and things and stuff. Also, it's like they gave us something so totally new with the mods and their bikes and everything. We've never seen anything like that in star Wars ever before. Well, and there's, and by the end of the season, you know, now we realize that it wasn't just this like one-off kind of fluke story too, that, you know, a big theme in book of Boba is him finding his new tribe and, and changing from someone who wants to be a crime Lord because it will make his life easier to being someone who's concerned with the well-being of an entire city and an entire planet. And part of that is giving these weird street kids a chance that, you know, maybe the old Boba Fett wouldn't want to hang out with these wacky kids. But the new Boba Fett wants to put him to work and give him a job and, and help him out. And because of that, he becomes stronger and they become stronger. And just because, you know, you're a... A gruff old man doesn't mean you can't be friends with some hip cyborg kids. When especially since in the beginning of the episode, too, yeah, the watermonger comes in and is just like, oh, those kids, they're stealing all my water. <laughs> Nobody respects you, Boba Fett. And if you tell these kids to get off my yard, then they'll respect you. And yeah, and then Boba Fett goes and meets those kids with Fennec. And he's just like, you know what? I like your style. I like the way you kids roll. Why don't you join me? And that's the beauty of this weird weird show yeah because it is this great message of finding your tribe and finding your role and there's nothing stronger than the power of family and working together which is yeah when we get to the whole final episode of the season that's what the whole thing was and the thing too with the chase that i've always been fascinated by is that People take that chase so seriously and get so worked up by it when there's like two fancy biffs riding on a rickshaw droid. <laughs> like it's so obvious from the beginning that's like this is all kind of a goof. It's like the episode of Chips where they have to chase a, a runaway dumpster down a down a hill. <laughs> it's high stakes, but not really. And earlier in the episode, Boba Fett is fighting a giant Wookiee in his underwear. And he's all greased up with back to juice. 
<laughs> a silly, silly, silly good time episode. It's an epi- It's a party of an episode. It's pizza. It's balloons. It's ice cream. It's the whole scenario. It's Robert Rodriguez who loves Boba Fett and loves Attack of the Clones having the time of his life playing in the in the Star Wars toy box. And if it's not your cup of tea, cool. But I think you got to appreciate that they let him do it and just have fun with it. And so much of this show is, I think, that Robert Rodriguez influence kind of mixed in with John Favreau and Dave Filoni and all the other creative people who've been working on Mandalorian season one and two, but it does have that extra little bit of Rodriguez flavor to it. The episode of Favreau's chef show on Netflix with Robert Rodriguez in it, he goes to Rodriguez's house and in Rodriguez's kitchen, he's got a wood fire pizza oven right in his kitchen. And John Favreau's just like, Oh my God, you got right here in the kitchen and, and rodriguez is just like yeah you want a pizza let's go i'll make one for you right now i'll make three i don't even care that's rodriguez's style yeah and he did three episodes probably as quickly as everyone else did one episode because just getting in fast and dirty that's his style and they let him do it some people love it some people don't putting the sauce putting the pepperoni putting the toppings on it Maybe he didn't even ask you what toppings you want. He's just like, I'm just going to put toppings on because this is what I like. Here's my wood fire pizza. Here you go, John Favreau. I like my pizza with robot feet with spike heels that kick things and robot wrists that have torches that come out of them. Just how I like my pizza. I like my pizza with Boa Fett in his underwear fighting a giant Wookiee. (laughs) Okay, let's move on to chapter four, The Gathering Storm. Again, I think this one's very different than the ones that came before it, but still feels like part of the same show. We got so much Boba Fett just talking and petting and playing with and feeding Banthas. We got some of the wackiest, just goofy action with the stuff in the kitchen and some kind of like episode two, some kind of serious drama talk between Boba and Fennec. That kitchen stuff, I still kind of can't believe it because that's the thing. Book of Boba Fett, it's like Rodriguez said, it's it over-delivers and there's so much ridiculous stuff in this show that sometimes I forget about the little, the little lep droid, the little rabbit droid in the kitchen and the fact that it's like straight up like Ratatouille or something of them chasing him around the kitchen. And the fact that Boba Fett holds it by its neck and asks the little droid, Do you know who I am? (laughs) I am Boba Fett. (laughs) Well, just that scene even starts with two robots talking to each other. Like, anytime there's just two robots talking to each other, we really don't get that enough. And it's like, yes, the original trilogy had R2 and 3PO talking, but really not as much as... As we could have. And R2 just beat where this is full on like robot voice talking to robot voice about rats. Come on. (laughs) While they're cooking food. What was that? I don't know. More rats? Go find it. I will contact the rat catcher. I still love when I watched that episode with my wife. And while that scene was going on, she said, I bet you like all of this stuff. (laughs) Two robots talking to each other. I was like, yes, yes, I do. You know me very well. But then, yeah, like you said, too, you know, there's for as much as this episode is them dropping a seismic charge into the Sarlacc pit. This episode has some of the nicest quiet moments of the entire series with those little campfire discussions with Fennec and Boba with just the wonderful, wonderful moment of Fennec saying that Boba's gone soft and he's like, no, I'm stronger now because I have this family. And Fennec just kind of knowing the legend of Boba Fett and not knowing that he is a new person now. And them just writing that in big, bold capital letters in this episode was just so cool. And I just, I love this episode. I think mostly for that, 
even with all the ridiculous stuff in this episode. Yeah, because it's really the first time after the Tuscans where this new Boba is using what he's learned from the Tuscans and kind of seeing it work where he's he met this person, he saved this person he didn't have to, and now by being honest with her, with his intentions, she's kind of agreeing with him and now kind of changing herself and wanting to kind of go on this journey with him. And at the beginning of the episode, she gets robot guts from a a mod doctor while 90s techno music plays. Well, and this episode, too, just really hammers in the whole theme, too, of finding who you are and who you want to be in life versus what is expected of you because of perhaps your past or you know what you did for a job the whole thing that like what you do or what you've done perhaps doesn't define someone as much as who you are in your heart inside and that's a very star wars thing and i think that is the through line that connects us to chapter 5 return of the mandalorian where Bryce Dallas Howard just absolutely killing it, no surprise, and just such an amazing, incredible episode, too. But that's the thing with this episode, where it is the return of the Mandalorian. It's the return of Din. You know, it's how Din got his groove back, where he's he doesn't have control of the Darksaber. He cuts his leg with it. He shows, he's like, well, maybe I'll go back to my old Mandalorian buddies. And they're a drag. They're a total bummer. They're just giving him a hard time about everything. And I love the whole thing where he wanted another Razor Crest. And when he sees the Naboo Starfighter, he's kind of like, I don't want this junk, this old weird ship. And it's kind of like the whole thing of what you want and what's best for your future is not just repeating the past. It's something new. It's something different. And the fact that in the end, he kind of embraces that. And we have this new din that this story just runs right side by side with what we just saw in The Gathering Storm with this new Boba Fett. Of, I don't want what I had in my past. I want something different. The real me is starting to come out. And that's just so great. Right, because it's the Star Wars thing that's always been there back with from Vader of it's never too late to change and it's never too late to try to do the right thing. Even if you've been doing the wrong thing for a long time. Yeah. You can be who you want to be going forward. And the greatest teacher failure is, you know, and you could apply that same thing with Luke in the last Jedi and that great character arc that happens in there. Moving beyond who you used to be or mistakes you made and going into a better future. Yeah, it's 100% Star Wars. And also this episode has Klaatu's in knit hats and a little Greedo kid waving hi to Mando as he rides Star Tours. This season over delivers was not an understatement or overstatement or sideways statement. It is the truth because, yeah, there's so much stuff in each of these episodes and this one, especially that if that was spread out over the whole season, I think we'd still be going nuts about this season, but it's all crammed into one episode. Everything with Mando on the space station in the beginning, I still don't even understand how that happened. I hope at celebration Anaheim, there's like the visual effects of the book of Boba Fett. And they talk about this planet, the the weird ring world planet especially and doing that with the volume because it's just i it's just so unbelievably cool and it's again it's something we've never ever seen in star wars before anything like that and those long long tracking shots of mando like getting on an elevator and getting out and going into like the weird whatever that is space mobster hangout room thing and people are dancing how did they do that? I still want to know. Well, we almost forgot there's the flashback to the Night of the Thousand Tears. Oh. With K2SO droids walking around like Terminator T1000 
T-1000s or T-800s, whatever whatever T's those were, and probe droids with flashlights and Mando helmets on the ground like skulls. and It's too much to ask for because it's like 5 in the morning, and we're all trying to keep up with Mandalorian history, which is confusing enough at any time of the day, especially if somebody at 5 a.m. is like, all right, let's go over Mando history and the Mando history timeline. It's like, oh, no. Yeah, and the entire last few minutes of the episode with just a Naboo starfighter flying through Beggar's Canyon, retracing the pod race before flying into space and getting pulled over by space cops and X-Wings is just overload. If someone would have described that entire scene to us 10 years ago, we would have died. We would have never been able to see that episode because we'd... Right. It's like, that's what I imagined I would see when I die. And now somehow I got to see it and I'm still alive. Well, that leads us to chapter six, From the Desert Comes a Stranger. Another one that's great and very different than the others. It's a very chill episode, at least at least initially. It's like the the sister episode the successor to mando season 2's the jedi in a lot of ways it's very similar in the way it tells its story you know both directed by dave filoni this episode co-written by dave filoni it's a way homer episode you're not going to get it till the way home it's an episode that like the jedi is going to keep coming up in conversations probably forever when people are talking about Star Wars stuff, there's a lot to unpack in this episode between Luke and the way Luke is training Grogu. And again, it's like we're getting post-Return the Jedi Luke stories in a show called The Book of Boba Fett. It's crazy. Don't get me wrong. It's wild. But it's like... <laughs> I'm not listen, I'm not gonna turn it away. If Robert Rodriguez is pulling a pizza out of his wood fire oven thing in his kitchen... Even if I don't recognize the toppings or it's not what I asked for, I'm probably still going to eat it because I love pizza. Can at least going to taste it. Sniff it. This is another one. The more I've watched this episode, it just, it grows on me. And it was fun watching it um, with my daughter because the Luke didn't face her at all. It was just, that's what Luke looks like. Like she didn't think it was a visual effect. She didn't say anything. She didn't even notice. Like it just was, oh, okay. There's that, there's Luke Skywalker. Okay. No, it it is very similar to when I went to go see Rogue One with my daughter and the fact that Peter Cushing had been gone for years, didn't even phase her at all. And we watched Star Wars you know, like a, the week before Rogue One came out and it's just like, oh, well, that's the guy that was in the, the old movie, which th- but did totally confuse her because she was like, well, if that guy looks like that, then how come in Force Awakens, the guy that plays Han Solo looked so much older? Right. And it is one of those things I think you take for granted that as super Star Wars fans, we are very aware of what Mark Hamill looks like at like every phase of his life. <laughs> <laughs> to where if you're just kind of casually watching these shows, it's like, oh, okay, that's Luke Skywalker. I recognize him from Return of the Jedi. And, oh, yeah, he was in last season of Mandalorian. It, Yeah, it makes sense that he's there. And it was cool to see his outfit because I know the first, I think, two times I watched it in my mind, it was like, oh, he's just wearing his Return of the Jedi outfit. But he's not. At the beginning, he's wearing almost like Anakin's prequel outfit a little bit and then and at the end it's more like his casual training karate gi kind of looking thing which was just kind of cool to see you know he isn't exactly the same as return of the jedi one one really cool thing that this episode is doing it is still totally riffing on the same thing that was going on with the boba themed episodes the return of the mandalorian of finding your role Again, and it's not subtle about it with who do you want to be? Do you want to be a Jedi or do you want to go back to Din do you, and take the, the little Beskar, little baby t-shirt he made? And Luke presents it as this this or that choice, but it it's really not. Because just in the next episode, you still see Grogu doing Jedi stuff. And it's the great thing 
in From the Desert Comes a Stranger, it's not a yes or no answer. It's not black or white. The answer is somewhere in the middle. It's like Ahsoka being in that episode is almost kind of reminding people that, that Ahsoka Tano, as she said a thousand times in Rebels, she is not a Jedi, but she's a force user. Why do you have to have the title of Jedi? And that's not really something she can tell Luke yet. You can use the force for good and not have to be a Jedi. And you can still be what it means to be a Mandalorian, but not be like the Armorer and Big Vizsla and stuff like that. And you can be Boba Fett, but you don't have to be a cold-blooded killer, like Cad Bane says. Right, and it's almost seeing Luke still trying to figure out who he is as a Jedi, because as much as it's cute that all his training for Grogu is kind of mirroring his training with Yoda, it's also kind of like that's all he knows about Jedi training. Like he's teaching Grogu what he knows and what he knows maybe isn't what Grogu needs to be taught. And maybe, you know, Luke has a lot to learn about being a teacher that maybe it's not as simple as just reciting what your teacher told you because every student's a little different. Sometimes I wonder if his heart is in it. So much like your father. Well, and I feel like this is similar to us starting with talking about the Marshall as far as something that happened early in season two of Mandalorian that at the time was just like another episode that we now see has kind of spawned an entire series. And I get the feeling that Luke and R2 and Ahsoka and kind of seeing what's going on with the Jedi and and the force in this time period is something we're going to see more of in whether it's the Ahsoka show or some other show or Mandalorian season three or whatever comes after that. Like, I'm pretty sure we're going to see more of this, that all these characters are not just showing up to show up. They're showing up because they're now part of the Boba buddies that are going to be in all of these shows. Well, and that kind of leads us to chapter seven, the season finale in the name of honor. The big battle episode, Supermando action, Rancor, Cad Bane. We didn't even mention Cad Bane. You know, it's like, yeah, every one of these episodes, it's like there's so much packed in there. And then there's that extra little bit packed in that you can't even remember and keep it all straight. And this episode is just a ton of fun. It's it's big and it's epic, and yet it's small and weird. It's like the entire season of just like the greatest hits performance of the book of Boba Fett. It's everything that we loved. It's all, it's, you know, just throw everything at the wall. Yeah. Cause you start the episode out and it's literally, it's Cad Bane with some kind of insane rubber mask thing, talking to Mayor McCheese, who is a full on hammerhead guy sitting in a room and the head of the Pikes with his beautiful fish head mask talking about Nikto speed bikers. And it's unbelievable. It's like, you need to pause it and just kind of take a breath and, you know, maybe call, call someone and just let them know that what you're watching and that it's real. Just a room full of just goofy aliens talking to each other about real serious stuff. (laughs) It's a very, it's a very tense, dramatic scene of a bunch of goofy aliens. It's like how I almost sometimes forget that we almost cried at the death of Nick Nolte as an Ugnaught a few years ago. <laughs> and it's like, we can't forget that these things are happening. They're just coming at us really fast. Every day's a gift. And again, I love Cad Bane saying that Boba's gone soft and that Boba Fett kills Cad Bane or so, so it appears, probably, maybe, who knows, with the gaffy stick, the literal symbol of his progression into good guy Boba Fett, this new Boba Fett, his new weapon, not the gadgets, not the jetpack, not the, the the incredibly awesome knee darts. It's this 
piece of wood, space wood, dream wood from the tree, from the, the lizard up his nose. That's what kills his symbol of his past. The You know, I and Cad Bane just thrown out like, Boba Fett's a cold-blooded killer. He worked for the Empire. He's bad news. And that's not who Boba Fett is anymore. And the gaffy stick is a symbol of that. And that's what takes out Cad Bane. And I love it. I love it, love it, love it. Another going back to the Marshall where we get the ultimate team up of the people of Mos Pelgo. Freetown. And they're back. And we get instead of Cobb Vanth as Boba Fett teaming up with Mando, we now have the actual Boba Fett himself teaming up with Mando to take on all of the pikes. We can't forget also uh, an Aqualish who gets shot in a tower and falls into a bucket of water. <laughs> all of that excitement is not enough. A giant Wookiee getting stabbed by Trandoshans. That's not enough. But two giant right out of the prequels battle droids with bubble shields show up and they just go on a rampage in the streets of most Espa. And the fact that we all shed a tear when the two shirtless Gamorians got pushed off the side of a mountain or something and screamed as they fell to their deaths that everyone watching it was just like, Oh no, not the shirtless Gamorians. I didn't even want to bring it up because it still hurts too much. And again, if someone would have told us 10 years ago, like, hey, in 10 years, there's going to be this Star Wars show where a Yoda baby puts a Rancor to sleep yeah. and then takes a nap with it because <laughs> the Yoda baby is all tuckered out. Ounce for ounce, pound for pound, inch for inch, however you want to measure it. There is more Book of Boba Fett than will fit in the bag Book of Boba Fett was supposed to come in. It's overflowing with treasures. So... They haven't announced a season two yet. Perhaps something will come at Celebration, maybe. Who knows? That would make sense. If there is a season two of the book of the Boba Fett, Gabe, what, what do you think you imagine could come? I know we just spent a bunch of time talking about expectation versus what happens, but in your head, what is the book of Boba Fett season two? It seems like based on these last three seasons of, of shows with, you know, the John Favreau, Dave Filoni universe here that they like to leave some breadcrumbs and they like to come back and expand on these ideas. And Boba Fett and friends fought off the Pike syndicate, but the twins are still out there and now the Pikes are gone. There's always Crimson Dawn is out there. Like, you know, Boba, is now kind of freed Tatooine in a way. And maybe there's another season of him having to keep Tatooine safe. And as much as it seems like the story with the Tuscans is over, I think there's potentially more of that they could do. Maybe it gets bigger and, and there's a bigger threat to Tatooine. And this time Boba has to get the Tuscans to help or just have Boba and Fennec, Go do some random <laughs> adventures. I mean, they're such great characters now that really they could have them do anything and it would be fun. Yeah, there is the tease of Cobb Vanth in the back to tank to at the end, which clearly that's setting up something with Cobb Vanth and the, the mysterious line at the end of the show with Boba and Fennec of Boba being like... Maybe we're not cut out for all this. I would I would love more Fennec stories. Like, I would totally groove on a, the, the book of Fennec. I wonder if eventually when we get Bad Batch Season 2, if Fennec will come back and we'll learn a little bit more about her. But I would love to see more live-action Fennec. I know there's something coming. They've got something in mind. Are the Pikes working for somebody else? Like you said, is it Crimson Dawn? It sure seemed like the Pikes weren't just answering to themselves completely. And I guess that's the thing too, that it, the book of Boba Fett season one felt like it was setting stuff up with stories to be expanded upon in the future. 
more. It set up a whole new world of this kind of Star Wars underworld kind of story. Well, and just the fact that all these characters now are intertwined to that. Bo-Katan and her group, they don't really like Boba Fett, but they know each other now. And Mando and Boba have an even closer relationship than they did before. So if Mando is in trouble or needs help, Boba and Fennec are going to be there. And if Mando ends up kind of sucked into drama with other Mandalorians, why wouldn't maybe Boba show up? I mean, he's still technically a Mandalorian as well. So he could very well end up in those stories, even if there isn't a book of Boba Fett season two by name because now we've real, you know now we know book of boba fett is still a mandalorian story as well and potentially any future mandalorian stories or ahsoka stories could just as much have an all boba fett episode in the middle it's just it's just how it goes even back to you know we've talked about with bad batch with the the Hera episode, like that's just how they do things now. And you're whatever show you're watching, it might not be the show you think it is for a couple episodes. They did it with Clone Wars many, many, many times. There was entire episodes of Clone Wars about C-3PO and R2-D2. Sunny Day in the Void, for example, George Lucas's favorite episode. Not a whole lot of actual Clone Wars going on in those episodes. It's just the way it goes. And, you know, and all that being said, as much as I love all these stories, I am happy that for a little while here with Obi-Wan Kenobi and with Andor, as far as live action Star Wars stories, that we're moving into different areas of the galaxy and different times. I think it will be a little refreshing to take a little break. Yeah, it will be nice to get kind of a different take on things. And I think it'll make it all all the sweeter when we get back to this little corner of of the galaxy. I know that there's, you know, criticism a lot of the fact that John Favreau writes all this stuff, because basically depending on which episode it is and what mood people are in, either they love his writing or they despise it. But I think overall, the way he writes these stories is kind of simple and Star Warsy enough that it really lets the directors kind of come in and put their own spin on it. And it's been kind of cool to have this kind of consistency to these three seasons. And like anything, it has its ups and downs, but overall, I mean, he's written, you know, 23, well, almost 23 episodes. I guess there's a couple, a couple guest writers mixed in there, but he's written a lot of episodes and it'll be nice to get a break and see what other people are doing. But I'm, excited to kind of come back to this little corner of of star wars in the future it's like rodriguez's pizza you know sometimes you just gotta take a break it, it always sounds good Pizza's always a good idea for dinner can you have it two nights in a row three nights in a row four nights in a row i don't know because i keep i keep waiting to get to get a tummy ache from book of boba but i think it's just that tamora morrison charm i don't know can you get a tummy ache can you eat too much? I don't think so. Really? <laughs> it's like tacos, Jason. I can eat so many tacos and never get tired of them. And, you know, maybe they should have the taco of Boba Fett that I can just, just keep bringing them out and I'm just going to keep eating them. Stormtrooper, the Sand People, and all 20 action figures, including new Hammerhead, Snaggletooth, and more, each sold separately. And now, Boba Fett, Star Wars villain with his laser rifle. Boba Fett is not yet available in stores, but you can get him free with four proofs of purchase from any Star Wars action figures. Details on specially marked packs at participating stores. Offer ends May 31st. Star Wars action figures sold separately from Kenner.
says is Captain Rex. You're listening to Jason and Gabe on Blast Points. And these last points, too accurate for sand people. Only Imperial stormtroopers are so precise. So you know the story with Apple Podcast Reviews. When you get done listening to this episode, we would love it if you went over there and wrote something nice about the show. It helps more people find Blast Points when they go on Apple Podcasts and look up Star Wars Podcasts. It'll help it move up those mysterious charts over there. And most importantly, we love reading your reviews. Brings warm feelings to our hearts. And make sure you check out our website, BlastPointsPodcast.com, and you're following us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And if you're on Facebook, make sure you're a member of the Super Chill Group. If you want to support the show in a different way, we got the Blast Points Army on Patreon, where I think coming up soon we're going to have a Q&A episode, which is a ton of fun. We haven't done one of those in a long time. And that is the home of all of our in-depth episodes on all the episodes of the book Boba Fett and past Mandalorian episodes and Clone Wars and commentaries and so much more stuff. And if you are a member of the Blast Points Army, thank you so much. We appreciate your support so much. But that about wraps up number 301, rereading the book of Boba Fett. I don't know. All this talk made me want to just go back and watch them all again. Or maybe just watch the Streets of Mos Espa again, honestly. It's, it's always Streets of Mos Espa time. It really is. <laughs> I'm just going to watch the first five minutes. And next thing you know, you've just watched the whole episode twice. It's another, it's another night. That's how we do it. <laughs> just talking dank in an alley. <laughs> drinking some illegal water that we stole. So, all right, everybody, on that note, thank you all so much for listening, and we'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. May the Force be with you. Goodbye, old friend. May the Force be with you. Be with-